God, we love you. We'll give you praise. We'll give you thanks. We'll give you honor. We'll give you glory. God, you deserve everything, every ounce of praise that we have given and more this morning. God, I pray that as we open up your word, that it doesn't cease our praise, and that we, we continue to praise you through, through the reading of your word, through the opening of this book, and through God. May, may we just hear from you this morning. God, God, may you speak through me this morning. May the words that come out of my mouth not be my words, but may they be your words for your people on your day. God, this is what we're here for. God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, going to be starting a, a new series uh, today, and it's going to kind of be our summer series. And we're going to take, take a look at the Psalms. Uh, we're going to go through many of these different Psalms, probably over the next 10 weeks or so, as we kind of uh, go through the summer in the Psalms. And so uh, I think it's going to be a fun series. Uh, I, there's so much good stuff in the Psalms that we miss sometimes, I think. I think we look in the Psalms, and we, it's kind of one of those things we read through, and, and we, we like it, we enjoy it. It's, it's easy to read because a lot of times it's poetry or song, or, but, but there's so much that goes into these and so much that we can glean from these. And so we're going to spend uh, and take some time and look at some of, maybe some of the lesser known ones, uh, maybe some of, the, some of the more known ones, but we're going we're gonna to look at these psalms and we're going to look at kind of where the writer's coming from and what we can glean from these and how we, can, how we can take what the writer is saying in these psalms and apply them to our lives. And so I want to start today uh, with, a, with a psalm that I think is going to give us just kind of a good baseline for this series as we keep going through the psalms. We're going to start in Psalm 56, and so uh, if, you, if you would turn there with me, Psalm, chapter, Psalm 56, uh, if you're in one of our pew Bibles and, and need the page, it's on page 407, and uh, we're going we're gonna to get there this morning, chapter, Psalm 56. I'll go ahead and read it. Verse 1, be merciful to me and my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. Record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. If you read just in the, in the very beginning, that gives us some, kind of some historical uh, insight into where this psalm is. Right before verse 1, in many of your Bibles, it'll say, For the director of music, to the tune of a dove on distant oaks, of David, a miktam, which is a, a word that... No one actually knows what it means, uh, and I'm saying that. I've, I've researched this word this week. No one actually knows what this means, but we have a, we're, we're assuming it's some kind of a musical, for, a musical term. 
But then he says this, when the Philistines had seized him in Gath. There's a little historical concept, context there as we read this from David. And, and so I want to actually go back and look at this, this context for us this morning. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 21, if you want to go there with me. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21, uh, starting at verse 10, uh, page 207 again, if you're with me in, in our few Bibles. First uh, Samuel chapter 21, we get the, the kind of the context of this. David, again, is writing this, and it says, When the Philistines had seized him in Gath. First Samuel chapter 21, starting at verse 10. That day, David fled from Saul and went to, to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't he the only one they sing about? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, look at the man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? Now, this is the context David's writing from. I think we need a little bit more here, and I'll, and I'll tell you a little bit more here, right? So, David, about five chapters earlier, four chapters earlier in chapter 17, has slain Goliath, right? He has... He has defeated the giant of the Philistines, who, by the way, is from Gath, where he is right now. Okay? He has slain Goliath in chapter 17, and he has come to be known throughout the kingdom as, as this great person. And Saul, the king at the time, is not a really a big fan of this. Saul comes back into the city after this great victory over the Philistines. And, and the people are not singing about Saul, they're singing about David. And the, the song is referred to in this Chapter 21, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And Saul just doesn't really like this. He doesn't like the, the notoriety that David has, is getting here. And so he sends David out to, to these battles, and, and David just is, is just winning everything. He's, he's basically just winning at life. Everything that David touches is like a Midas touch. It's like it's gold. David, anything that David does, he does it well. If he goes in, he wins. And so Saul decides this cannot be. I am going to, to kill David so that I can be back on top. And so Saul begins to, to chase David throughout the country. And so David, in chapter 21 here, he's on the run. He is on the run from Saul. He's on the run for his life. And he gets to Gath, and, and which, by the way, is the hometown of Goliath. And, and, uh, and just a little insight here, if you go back, we started in verse 10. If you go back to verse 8, uh, David is asking for a weapon. Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. I got out of there so fast that I didn't even get to bring a weapon. And here's, here's what the priest says. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It's wrapped in the cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There's no sword here but that one. David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. And the next verse, David walks into the hometown of Goliath, whose sword he is carrying, the man he has killed, and he's on the run for his life. 
I think in this picture, we get a picture of the desperation of David here. How desperate do you have to be when you're running for your life? How desperate do you have to be to go to the hometown of the giant that you killed when your, when your people overtook the Philistines? How, how, how desperate do you have to be to go to his hometown carrying his sword? I mean, think about this. David is just a, a desperate man right now. He is, he is on the run for his life, and he's going to the place that Saul is probably least likely to look for him. And he gets in town, he gets into Gath, and of course people recognize him. Isn't this David? He's the one they sing about. Saul has slain his thousands, but David, has ten, even the Philistines have heard this song. They know who David is. And so, of course, David is, is recognized. They seize him, and, and he pretends to be insane, which works. But this is, this is the picture that we have. David is, is not really having a great day, to put it very lightly. He's on the run, and this is where we get this psalm, Psalm chapter, Psalm 56. And we read it, but I want to read it again with this context in mind. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long, and their pride many are attacking me. When I am afraid... I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. Record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I'm under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. This, this psalm comes to life a little bit when you know the context of how it was written. When you know what David is actually running from. When you hear him ask this question, what can man do to me? The answer seems pretty obvious to me. There are literally men chasing you right now, trying to kill you. Man can do a whole lot to you. And I want to just kind of think together this morning about this psalm. And I want to think about ways in which you and I can identify with David here. Now, you and I, I've never been on the run from a king who wants to kill us, I think, <laughs> pretty sure. You and I have never been forced to flee to a city where we killed their best warrior and they want to kill us back. But I think there's some things that David is feeling and expressing in this psalm here that we can identify with. I mean, have you ever felt overwhelmed? Have you ever felt overwhelmed? I mean, 
Think about this, and just in, in verse 1 and 2 and 5 and 6, be merciful to me. My enemies are in, are in hot pursuit all day long. They press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long, and their pride many are attacking me. He goes down to verse 5. All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire. They lurk. They watch my steps. They're hoping to take my life. Uh, David is, is overwhelmed here. Three times in this passage he, he uses this phrase, all day long. It's like, I can't catch a break right now. Like, I, I feel I'm overwhelmed. I can't escape this. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like, man, I just, I just can't escape what's going on in my life right now. I just, I just need, I can't catch a break. I can't catch my breath. Just give me a second to rest. Like, I, I am just so overwhelmed right now. I think there's probably some in this room right now who are, who are a little overwhelmed this morning. Have you ever been opposed? Have there been people who, who, are, who are talking about you or have, have attacked you or people are twisting his words, people are scheming his demise, people are hoping to hurt him? Maybe you've been in that, in that place. Again, maybe, not, maybe people aren't trying to physically hurt you, but, but man, words have a lot of power. And maybe you've asked this question before, and what did I do to deserve this? What did I do to deserve what they're doing right now? What did I do... And David's got to be asking this question. Now, what did I do to deserve this? What did I ever do to Saul? All I've done for Saul is everything that he has ever asked me to do. He asked me to go kill Goliath. I went and I killed him. He asked me to take his armies and to go over here, and, and I did that, and I want. And there's nothing that I've ever done for Saul that he didn't ask me to do. What did I ever do to deserve this? And maybe, you've, maybe you've felt opposed. Maybe you felt alone. I mean, think about David right now. David is, is alone. He's running for his life. There's not a group of people with him. A couple chapters later in 1 Samuel, there's about 100 or so people that meet him in a cave, and they, they begin to, to help him. But David is alone as he writes this psalm. Have you ever felt alone? I mean, literally, physically, metaphorically, no one understands what's going on in my life. No one understands what it's like to be in my shoes. Have you ever asked yourself those questions? How about this one? Have you ever been afraid? I think one of the key words in Psalm 56 here is this, this phrase, when I'm afraid. It's actually the same word that he uses in 1 Samuel 21 when he's talking about being afraid of the king. The same word he uses there. It's, it's interesting. and What's interesting also is that he's afraid, but and he, then he begins to ask these questions. Like I said earlier, he asks, begins to ask, what can man do to me? What can mere mortals do to me? When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And God, whose word I praise, when I am afraid. He's not saying if I'm afraid. When I am afraid. Every single one of us in this place will be afraid. Faced one of my fears yesterday. I'm not really, not, I'm not a big fan of heights, and I went up on a rock wall yesterday. I got about halfway up, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm done. I'm done." <laughs> it's like the second time I looked down, I was like, "No, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done." I think we all have some kind of fear. Every single one of us has some kind of fear in our lives. Have you ever been afraid? I think that's more of a rhetorical question than not. Every single one of us has been afraid. So, so, so how the the question then is? How do we deal with it? 
I mean, every, every single one of us has been afraid. The, the real question is how do we deal with it? Because there is a real fear that comes with the unknown. I think that's what David is running from here. He's running from the unknown. I have no idea what is going to happen right now, God. There's, there are people chasing me. There are people who want to take my life. There are people who are coming after me, and I didn't do anything. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I am so afraid even that I will go to the hometown of Goliath with Goliath's sword in my hand and see if they will help me. Like, this is, this is how afraid. How do we overcome this fear? How do we overcome this, this being opposed or this feeling of, of, of being overwhelmed or alone or afraid? How do we overcome this? And I think the, the key here is in verse 3 and 4. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Uh, there's a transition between verse 3 and verse 4 here. I want you to hear this. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and I'm not afraid. Now, he goes from, when I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. I'm not afraid. Yeah, that's, pretty, that's a quick turnaround. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I trust and I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid anymore. And I think David, in this passage, really shows us a few things of how to overcome this fear, how to, how to overcome this sense of, of just being overwhelmed, or the being opposed, or this feeling of being alone, or this feeling of being afraid. How do we do this? And I think the answer is, is first and foremost, pretty obvious in this, put our trust in God. When I am afraid, I will trust in you, he says. I think if we're going to overcome some of, these, some of these things that David is overcoming here, we need to look and put our trust in the character of God. This is the very first thing that he does, and this must be our first reaction as well. Right? When, we're, when we're overwhelmed, when we're opposed, when we're alone, when we're afraid, we must seek the face of God and trust in him. Prayer is not a last resort for us in these situations. Prayer is never a last resort for us, but sometimes we treat it like that. We say things like, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. When in reality, prayer should be the very first thing that we are doing. We should be seeking the face of God first and foremost. And, and, and when we're overwhelmed. I mean, here's things we can focus on. If you focus on what you're overwhelmed by, it becomes more overwhelming. If you focus on, on the opposition that you feel, it will feel more opposing. It'll be more oppressive. If your focus is on how lonely you feel, you will sink deeper and deeper into the loneliness of your life. And if your focus is on your fears, like it was when I was halfway up the rock yesterday, your fears will overcome you. Your fears will take over. You will be more and more afraid. And instead of looking at the, the things that are, that are overwhelming or opposing you or the things that have made you feel alone or afraid, instead of looking at them, we need to look at God. And this is what David does. It's about putting our faith in God, not putting our faith in our circumstances and hoping that things will get better, not putting our faith in other people and thinking, well, they'll, they'll change eventually. It's putting our hope in God and saying he is in control. Nine times in this passage, in, in this psalm, David, David refers to God and uses the term Elohim. Elohim is the most common reference to God in the Old Testament 
But it refers to, to God's power and authority as the creator and the sustainer of the universe. And I, I just want you to hear that this morning. God, when, when David is feeling overwhelmed, opposed, alone, and afraid, who does, he, who does he cry out to? He cries out to the God who is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. And what can man do to me? When you think in it like this, it, it kind of echoes back to Romans 8. If, if God is for me, then who can be against me? It echoes to, to Matthew chapter 10, Jesus talking to his disciples and saying, hey, when you go out, people, people will not like you. You are going to, to, to go through some hard times, but don't be afraid. They can kill you, but only God can, can save your soul. Only God has control over, over everything. I mean, David also knows that this, this creator, this sustainer God is full of mercy and he's full of grace. He's, he even asked, God, have, have mercy on me. He knows that, that he is praying, that he is crying out to the merciful God who, who tells us in 1 Peter, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Right? This is the God that we cry out to. He's the, he's the God that, that delivers us from darkness and from death. And, and this is the God that David trusts in. When he says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you, he, he knows these things about this God. And this is the God that we can trust in when we go through these times. We can trust in a God who is the creator and sustainer of all things. We can trust in this God who is full of mercy and full of grace. We can trust in this God who can deliver us from darkness and deliver us from death. And, and we can trust in this God. I think this is the first thing that David teaches us in this song. Here's the second thing I think he teaches us, is to open our hearts to his word. When I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God whose word I praise. It says it three times in this passage. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. He praises the word of God. I think this fundamentally needs to be the core of who we are as people. We need to just be people who, who praise this word of God. This, the word of God is, is supreme in our lives. This word of God is sure in our lives. We can trust this word of God. And this word of God is sufficient. This word of God is all that we need in our lives. This is, this is we can trust in the word of God and know that it is sufficient for us. It reminds me of a story in Numbers chapter 13 and 14 when, uh, when the Israelites send the spies into the promised land and they say, and, and eight of the ten come back and they say, hey, well, this isn't for us. We can't do this. The, the people there are too big. They are too great. We will never overtake these people. They're, they're, they're giants in there. We're not going to be able to do this. And Caleb and Joshua come back and say, we have this. We can do this. And why were they able to say that? Because they knew that God had said to do it. They knew that God would deliver these people into their hands. Why? Because he said he would. The word of God was sufficient for them. The word of God was the final say for them. It was as simple as that. God said so, so let's go. This is the word of God. This is, this is how essential the word of God can be in our lives. It's all that we need. So when we're feeling oppressed, 
when we're feeling overwhelmed or afraid or alone, we can look to the Word of God. We can, we can say, when I'm afraid, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm oppressed, when I'm alone, God, I trust in you, in this God whose Word I praise. Here's the third thing that I think we can learn from David, and David doesn't actually say it, but I think he would have if he had been writing quite a few years later is that we can put our trust in Jesus Christ. And here's why I say that, and here's why I know that this morning. Because in Jesus, the character of God is revealed. Through Jesus, we see a picture of who God is. And so when we say, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. We know the character of this God that we can trust in because we see the character of this God in the person of Jesus Christ. There's a passage in Romans chapter 8. I mentioned Romans 8 earlier. I just want to read kind of the whole thing here, starting at verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered no in these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus our lord If you take just this last phrase, for I am convinced that there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, I I can trust in this God. Because there is nothing in all of creation that will ever separate me from that love. And where do we see that love? We see that love in the person of Jesus Christ who came to the earth and lived the life that we couldn't live, died the death that we deserved to die so that we might live in eternity with him forever. We find it in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the the picture of the God that we can trust. Jesus is the God that we can trust. But Jesus is also the word of God. Right? John 1 tells us that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Talking about Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. And I want you to see this morning that with, if you're feeling opposed, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling afraid, that we can fix our eyes on Jesus. We can fix our eyes on Jesus. And we can say the same words that, G, that, that David said in the psalm. In the midst of being, being chased down and fearing for his life, he said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise. 
Can you say that this morning? And when I'm afraid, when I'm feeling alone, when I'm feeling oppressed, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, God, I will trust in you. And God, whose word I praise. Now, to be able to say that last part, we need to be able to know the word. We need to be in this word. We need to be listening to this word and, and listening to what it teaches us about ourselves, what it teaches us about the character of God and how it calls us to live. And when I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise. Psalm 56, such a deep psalm when you get into it. I'm excited to get into many more psalms this summer. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. God, this morning, if there are any in this room who are feeling opposed, feeling overwhelmed by life or by circumstances or God, maybe there's some feeling alone, feeling like just no one understands. Maybe some of us are feeling afraid. God, will we be able to, to say this morning, like David says in the psalm, when I am afraid, when I'm opposed, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm alone, when I feel alone, God, I, I trust in you. I trust in you whose word I praise. God, may we fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. And may this week as we go forward, may, we be, may this prayer be always on our lips. God, I trust in you. I trust you. I trust you when I'm afraid. I trust you when I'm overwhelmed. I trust you when I'm opposed. I trust you when I feel alone. I, I trust you. God, and I praise your word. God, would you go ahead of us this week? Would you be in our workplaces? Would you be in our homes? Would you be wherever we may find ourselves, that we might be a light for you in that place. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I would just say a word of blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you this week. And may you go in, in the grace and the peace that only he can provide. May you trust in him this week as you go. Go in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning.